Getting the smile and confidence you've been dreaming about all from the comfort of your home isn't a total mystery with Bite Clear Aligners. Just don't be surprised if all your friends start asking, what's your secret? Begin by ordering your at-home impression kit today for only $14.95. Bite Clear Aligners are doctor-directed and delivered to your door. Treatment costs thousands less than braces, plus they offer flexible financing, accept eligible insurance, and you can pay with your HSA FSA. Get 80% off your impression kit when you use code WONDERY at Byte.com. That's B-Y-T-E dot Start your confidence journey today with Byte. The Angie's List you know and trust is now Angie, and we're so much more than just a list. We still connect you with top local pros and show you ratings and reviews, but now we also let you compare upfront prices on hundreds of projects and book a service instantly. We can even handle the rest of your project from start to finish. So remember, Angie's List is now Angie, and we're here to get your job done right. Get started at Angie.com. That's A-N-G-I, or download the app today. Welcome to the Balanced Black Girl Podcast. We're putting black girl magic in motion. This show is dedicated to reinventing wellness for women of color. I'm your host, Lestrandra Alfred. Thank you so much for tuning into this week's episode of Balanced Black Girl Podcast. Today's episode is diving into a highly requested topic, and that is financial wellness. Today, I'm partnering with BECU to facilitate a conversation around building positive financial wellness habits. BECU is Washington's largest non-for-profit credit union and is owned by its 1.2 million members. Last year, when I started working with BECU on partnered content for Balanced Black Girl, I began by going through their financial health check program, which is a free one-on-one consultation with a financial expert who gives you personalized, tangible advice to help you take action on saving, budgeting, and managing debt. When I went through the free financial health check session, it was a game changer for me. It really helped me learn how to take a critical look at my finances, understand where I was at, and really helped me identify places in my budget where I could really maximize the money I already had to make it work better for me. So I highly, highly recommend getting a financial health check if you have not yet already. You can head to BECU.org or you can go to our show notes for more information. And you can also head to my blog at balanceblackgirl.com to check out some of our previous financial wellness articles with BECU. Today's guest is Tanya Rapley, founder of MyFab Finance. When I decided to partner with BECU to have a conversation about financial wellness here on the podcast, Tanya was my dream guest. Seriously manifested this interview. I have followed and admired her for years. Honestly, finding her and finding my fab finance was a huge inspiration to me about four years ago to really learn how to pay more attention to what was going on with my finances and really, really helped me in my own debt elimination journey, helping me pay off a ton of student loan debt, which you will learn about in this episode. Tanya's mission is to help millennials break the cycle of living paycheck to paycheck so they can become financially free to do more of what they love. Selected by TV One as a modern day history maker, Tanya is a full-time entrepreneur and tours the country providing workshops for private and non-profit clients. 
Tanya's fierce financial advice has appeared in U.S. Daily News, New York Daily News, BuzzFeed, Essence, The Root, Go Banking Rates, Refinery29, and more. Please join me in welcoming Tanya to the show. Tanya, thank you so much for joining us today. I am so excited to have you on the show. Financial wellness is a topic that I've wanted to talk about forever. Our listeners have been requesting it forever. You are like my dream guest to have here. (laughs) Seriously. Thank you. Thank you. That means so much. Absolutely. Well, it means so much to have you here. So you founded MyFab Finance in 2013. Mm -hmm. Your financial life looked very different than it does now. So can you tell us what inspired you to create MyFab Finance? I created MyFab Finance. Part of it was selfish because I, you know, blogging was really big when I created in 2013. And I was checking out these women who had these blogs and they were getting free clothes from companies such as Macy's and other places because they had these wardrobe challenges where they're going to wear the same thing for 30 days. And I was like, hey, I want free clothes. And so that was part of the fact. But also, I enjoy writing. I felt like I wasn't able to write in the profession that I was in. I wanted to challenge myself. And I also realized that my finances needed an overhaul. I was working with low-income women and creating programming for them. And one of the programs we bought in was a financial literacy program on credit. I was like, whoa, Tanya, your credit is not okay. And because of that, I had been living inconveniently because, you know, when you have bad credit, you can't prove your own place. You kind of have to explain or your options are limited and so forth. So I was kind of in that space where life was really inconvenient for me because my finances were not in order. And I was like, I'm tired of living inconvenient. I am ready to do something about this. And I also want to give myself a shot at blogging and see what it turns into. Mm -hmm. So that's, what started it? That's amazing. And six years later? Oh my gosh. Here we are. I had a surreal moment yesterday because I love the work that I do and I've always wanted to do good in communities. That's mm-hmm. always been. So my degrees are social service degrees. But I was just like, oh my gosh, how am I going to actually make a decent living with this line of work? And I was looking at my bank account this past weekend and my Average daily balance is equivalent to what my salary was at that nonprofit job. Wow. And I was just like, dude, you know, moments like that are surreal for me. That's incredible and something to be so proud of. I, I am. I literally built it and I'm, I'm patting myself in the back because it wasn't there. It literally, I created out of thin air. So. Yes. Yes. Which is so inspiring. Thank you. Yeah. Thank you. So how do you define financial wellness? Mm. I think it varies. I think the financial wellness varies based on the individual because we all have different definitions of wellness. You know, for some people it is eating a keto diet. For some people it's eating a gluten-free diet. So when it comes to financial wellness, I think it is doing things with your money that make you feel good Mm -hmm. and create outcomes that you feel good about and that you're proud about and creating space where you don't have to do things to compromise your peace of mind, your integrity, or your happiness because of money. I think that's what I've defined it as. Absolutely. I think that that's so good because wanting to feel good about your choices is something that can resonate with anybody, Mm -hmm. no matter what their values are or what their priorities are or where they're at. Everybody wants to feel good. Yeah. You know, and we can do things that make us feel good in the short term. Yeah. But how about in the long term? Yeah. What are we doing in the long term that we feel good about, that we're proud about, that we're not going to be ashamed about? Like no one's going to be ashamed about paying off their credit cards. You're not going to be ashamed about paying off or down your student loan debt you might be ashamed of having it but not doing something about it you're not going to be ashamed about the money you have in savings 
you will be ashamed about not putting money in savings yeah. or buying something instead of putting that money towards eliminating your debt. And it's like, we know. Mm-hmm. And that's why I always say with financial literacy, it's not as complicated as people make it seem. What is complicated is the emotions and the habits surrounding it because yes. it's black and white. It's like mm-hmm. You do this with your money, you don't do this with your money. It's the habits and the attitudes and the emotions around money that make it complicated. Yeah. So on your journey to improving your financial wellness, improving those habits, where were some of the places that you started to create those shifts? One of the main places I started to create a shift was asking myself questions before I spent money. Yeah. Not being as, especially larger purchases. Like, you know, the little purchases add up, but if it's under like $50, $75, I'm like, okay, right, let's get it. But anything for me, you know, setting those limits for myself, anything over $100, like, Tanya, let's check in. Yeah. Are we, what are we doing this for? Why are we doing this? So that was really big, was starting to ask myself questions about why I felt the need to make certain purchases. Mm-hmm. And then I would say another shift was changing my mindset around making money and how much money I had available towards my financial goals because I realized I had limitations and blocks because at this point I'm making more than anyone in my immediate family is making. Yeah. And having blocks around myself thinking like that wasn't possible. So that was a big thing that I had to clear up for myself. Uh, oh, and just getting started, thinking that I had to have it all figured out before I got started. Instead of being like, we're going to figure this out along the way, but mm-hmm. we're going to start moving in that direction instead of the opposite direction that we're moving in. Yep. So it was just getting started, too. Yeah. And those, those small steps. Yeah. 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 If someone's having a hard time starting, what are maybe some like daily or weekly practices that you would recommend them? If someone's having a hard time starting... That's a good question. It depends on where they are, because for some people, there's anxiety. Because for some people who might have debt, it is like picking the phone and communicating with one of your creditors, mm-hmm. calling them and making a payment plan or making an arrangement, something that you've been avoiding. Yeah. Um, for some people, it's checking your credit report. For other people, it is downloading maybe the Clarity app. I know a lot of people like that app. Downloading the Clarity app and seeing where you're spending most of your money mm-hmm. so you can create some boundaries around that for yourself. And then for others, it's starting to do something small. Maybe it is putting 5 to $10 aside every day or every week, like just putting money aside into your savings account on a regular basis. It depends on where you are. Yeah. But I would say think about what is one thing you can do that you didn't do yesterday as it pertains to your money and do that. Something good. Like yes. one thing you didn't do good yeah. and, and do that. Something small that doesn't seem overwhelming, that doesn't seem out of reach for you because there are some days where you're going to have money to put towards your debt and there's going to be some days you don't yeah but maybe those are days you examine your spending Mm -hmm. so exactly and even if it's a day where you don't necessarily have to take a step forward but as long as you're not taking a step back if Mm -hmm. you can't afford to put money towards your debt that day but maybe just don't incur more like that's a huge step or maybe it's like okay reduce it resist the temptation to eat out yeah because you have food in the house you probably don't have an empty refrigerator. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? It's very rare. Yeah. So reduce that temptation to eat out and eat something. Even this morning, you know, I was like, oh, I don't have any breakfast food. I'm going to have to stuff and get some breakfast. It's like, Tanya, you don't have to eat like eggs and so forth. Like the, those aren't, those don't have to be breakfast foods. Yep. You have food in the fridge, yep. eat that. It's sustenance, you yep. know? So it is just, and that's a financial win because it's money I didn't spend eating out. Yeah. So it's sometimes it's something small. Exactly. Oh man, that's a conversation that I have with myself every day. The reminder that I have food at home (laughs) every day. And sometimes you don't want to eat what you can cook. And and the timing, I mean, now, especially with me being a mom and entrepreneur Mm -hmm. and so forth, the timing, it's challenging. Sometimes it's hard to try to cook dinner while my son is crawling around Mm -hmm. my legs and so forth, but we got to get it done. Yeah. And make it work. Mm -hmm. Yeah. 
So I would love to talk to you about eliminating debt because for a lot of people, I think that that is a common obstacle Mm -hmm. when it comes to their financial wellness. I know it's something that I've definitely had to work through as well. And actually we met just for listeners who may not know for context, I went to a debt elimination class that Tanya taught here in Los Angeles Mm -hmm. and met her there. And it was a fantastic, fantastic class. So definitely recommend making sure that you follow her for her content on that. But if someone is in a position to start eliminating their debt like where should they begin i mean if you're in a position that's great but it's taking a picture of all the debt that you have and figuring out what you have i think that a lot of people get overwhelmed by their debt because they just know they have it they don't know where it's at they Mm -hmm. don't know who's holding it they don't know how much they owe they don't know what interest is accruing they don't know like it's just this black hole of negativity that they don't wade into and so that's the first step is getting a snapshot of all the debt that you have and then figuring out okay which debt am I going to tackle first what is my financial goal for the next year and is there a particular debt that could affect that financial goal for example say your car is breaking down or your car broke down and you know you're going to want to apply for an auto loan do you have any debts and collections or anything like that that you need to pay off or bring current or do you have any open lines of debt that you need to get into good standing and pay regularly so that you can boost your credit score for when it's time to purchase a car so it's thinking about what my financial goals are and then what debts do I currently have getting a snapshot of it is really important because I remember coming off of maternity leave like I did a really good job going going into it and making sure that I had money set aside. But then I was on maternity leave. I had my son in November. I was kind of out until March. And so I had money through March, but it was like, okay, after March, we don't have any new projects Mm -hmm. in. Oh, like we have a lull. And the one project that I did do that, she's like, oh, we have a 60 day pay period. So I was like, okay, I'm not gonna get that money for two months. And so I started to get anxiety, even though I had money saved and stuff, I started to get anxiety because it's like, I have things that I have to pay. And then when I sat down and wrote everything out, I was like, Tanya, not really. It's not as bad as you thought it was. Like, mm-hmm. not really. Mm-hmm. Um, so by just writing things out, it made it, rather than just assuming, that's me, you know, as a finance person who yeah. deals with her finances on a regular basis. But it's very easy to do it once. And then you're mm-hmm. kind of like, okay, did that. Yeah. And two years, and then, you know, maybe six months later, you're like, oh, I'm feeling this again. Like, do it again. Mm-hmm. Because it's very easy to say, oh, I did that last month. Or I did that earlier this year. Okay, well, you're feeling away right now. So yep. we need to do what helped you get out of feeling that way before. Yeah. Which is sitting down and having a heart-to-heart moment with your own finances. Mm-hmm. That is such good advice because I think the anxiety of the unknown can oftentimes feel so much greater than knowing what you're actually working absolutely with. absolutely yeah I think anyone can attest to that mm-hmm. you know any moment it's like you get an email from your boss and your boss says hey I like to speak with you at the end of the day and then your head is like going wild like oh my god am I gonna get fired mm-hmm. did I do something wrong versus an email that says hey I like to speak with you at the end of the day about this upcoming event yeah. you know so when you don't have an idea of what's going on you have so much more anxiety versus okay I know that I might not have done as much prep work for this event but at least I know this is what we're talking about exactly. I'm not getting fired today yeah so yes same applies to your finances yeah just constantly looking at it mm-hmm. and knowing where you're actually at yeah yeah I know for me with my debt payoff journey. I mean, I had a lot of student loans debt from undergrad and I paid off about 60K of it, which is I'm really proud of. And I did that over the years with having varying jobs and income largely from just logging into my accounts and looking at what my balances were mm-hmm. and constantly knowing what they were and how much money I could put at it is how I was able to pay it off without necessarily making more money. And I think that visibility 
is huge. Yeah, and I mean, and that's where I am now is because I self-funded with MyFab Finance. So yeah. I did create some credit card debt. I had about $30,000 and mm-hmm. I paid that $30,000 off. Oh. And so now I'm like, okay, yeah, time to focus on paying off my student loans. Yep. And I just had a conversation with him yesterday about my options and yeah. so forth. And just sitting down and saying, okay, if you can afford to do this or you could have afforded to do this, yep. then you can afford to, you know, pay, you know, at least $1,000 a month towards your student loans. <laughs> and so it... You also have to make it a priority. Yeah. With debt, it's easy to kind of say, oh, okay, it'll get, it'll get handled, mm-hmm. you know, and not make it a priority. Yeah. But then you have to ask yourself, what about everything else you made a priority? Yeah. You know, like I really had to have a moment with myself and I was like, wait a minute. So you don't want to pay $500 towards this, but you paid $500 for that wig you bought. Mm-hmm. Okay, Tanya priorities. You yeah. know what I mean? Like yeah. you really have to snatch your own edges sometimes <laughs> because we make other things a priority instead of our financial wellness. Yeah. But then at the end of the day, it's our financial wellness that can really affect us and really bother us and really affect our quality of life. Absolutely. And if someone has maybe debt from various areas or different kinds of debt, like student loan debt and credit card debt and, you know, different kinds of debt, how do you recommend they prioritize what to pay off first? Technically, the most expensive debt. Yeah. Technically. Credit cards are more expensive than student loans. Mm-hmm. With your student loan, your interest rate's probably going to be 6%, somewhere around there, but definitely below 8%. Mm-hmm. With a credit card, your interest rate's going to be about 20%, yeah. 17 It's going to be double digits, most likely. And so that debt is costing more money. Yeah. Even though the balance isn't as large, the debt does cost you more money. And so it's just debt that when you move into trying to purchase a home and mm-hmm. so forth, student loans are looked upon more favorably because they're still considered good debt. I don't yeah. know how much longer they will be considered that, but they're still considered good debt. And so credit card debt, there's just nothing good about that. Yeah. And so I would definitely recommend getting eliminating credit card debt um, as well as personal loans, mm-hmm. even though personal loans might not have any interest attached to it, might not, you know, they can't enforce collections unless they take you to small claims court yeah. or something. It still is a relationship. And that relationship was good enough at a place where the person felt confident to give you money. Yeah. So it was a solid enough relationship at one point. And you have to ask yourself if you're willing to lose solid relationships and solid people over money. Yeah. And so sometimes I say like prioritize them to prioritize the people and pay them back so you can maintain that relationship. Because you never know when you're yeah. going to need somebody. Mm-hmm. And you don't want people feeling taken advantage of. Nobody wants to feel taken advantage of. Yep. So those personal debt in the credit card debt first and then student loans if you have medical debt reach out to them to see if you can establish a payment plan and so forth with debt I know it can feel like you need to do it all at once don't do it all at once do what you can do what you can do what makes the most sense for you and your financial goals and your abilities because there will come a moment where you can pay it off yeah Um, you know always being transparent I was telling my husband the other day I had a credit card with Capital One, it was my business credit card. And while I was focusing on paying everything else off and all the other credit cards, that one, the balance was higher than I wanted it to be. Mm-hmm. And like that balance used to just annoy me. It would annoy me. It, it just like gnawed at my soul every time I logged into Capital One and saw it. But I was like, you know what? You have other things to accomplish. Like get these things done, knock yeah. this out. I was doing the snowball method. Mm-hmm. I was like, just get these things done. And then on Sunday, I made my last payment on that Capital One debt. Ugh. And I was just yeah. like, it got done. Yeah. You know, it mm-hmm. got done. Yep. And that's the thing. It's going to get done. And sometimes we have to have patience with ourselves. Yeah. Because you didn't get into trouble overnight. Or maybe you did. And even yeah. if you did, it takes a while to get out of it. Yeah. And giving yourself that grace. Yeah. So giving important. yourself grace. Mm-hmm. It's so important. Giving yourself grace. Having grace with others. Yes. Having grace with yourself. 
I posted on my Instagram stories yesterday, my Pilates instructor, mm-hmm. like, showed up, everything. I have a babysitter, showed yeah. up to the studio, drove yeah. across town. We get there, she doesn't have a key to get in the studio. Mm. And she was so hard on herself, and I was like, hey, yeah, things happen. And here I am today, I'm late to our podcast <laughs> interview, because, like, left the house later than planned, then had to get gas, because I didn't have any gas and everything. And it's like, if you want others to extend you grace, you have to extend grace to others. But also, you have to extend it to yourself. Yes, always first and foremost, mm-hmm. especially because in some of those situations, it can be stressful or it can be hard. But when you beat yourself up over it, it makes it that much harder. It's like, what does it solve? Yeah. And that, you know, I've talked, you know, I know a few people and I'm just like, what does it solve though? Yeah. What does it solve? What does beating yourself up do for you? Other than building yourself up so you can show up and do the work necessary to get out that place. Mm-hmm. Exactly. Like that energy could be yeah. so much better used elsewhere. So much better. <laughs> and it's like, it doesn't do anything for you. Yep. It literally does nothing for you except maybe prevent you from doing it again. Yep. Maybe. Exactly. I was working with a coach recently who, oh my goodness, her like thoughts on this topic blew my mind because I'm someone who does tend to be pretty hard on myself. And she has this whole idea that self-compassion is actually how we get things done instead Mm. of beating ourselves up. So I always thought, especially if it came to business, finances, personal stuff, fitness, whatever, like if I'm super hard on myself all the time, that's Mm -hmm. how I get things done. She's really helped with my mindset of actually, if you're compassionate with yourself, that's how you get things done. I love that. I love that. I think that's true. Mm -hmm. When I think about my own career, I've gotten more done from a place of self-compassion than I have from when I beat myself up because that leads to depression. That leads to frustration. And you don't create well from that space. Exactly. So I have to agree with her wholeheartedly. Yeah. Advice that we could apply to anything. Yeah, definitely. Even when I think about my business, Mm -hmm. it's flourished now that I've taken a step back and removed that pressure. When I say, okay, Tanya, you're not going to get as much done or you're not going to get anything on that to-do list done today. But yesterday I was focusing on getting our affairs in order. I was working on my student loans. I was working on our health insurance and everything. I was like, these things need to get done. Yeah. You know, and it's like, maybe I didn't get my work done but bills are paid we're Mm -hmm. good it's not any if I do it tomorrow it's okay Mm -hmm. so exactly mm -hmm. yeah compassion is important so important especially when it comes to stressful things (laughs) business family motherhood I'm sure we did not come this far not to be compassionate with ourselves exactly yeah exactly and I also really love how you talked about just related back to the debt conversation, personal debt, because I feel like that's not something that people talk about as much. But I think in the relation to financial wellness, Mm -hmm. it's something that's so important, like our relationships with people Mm -hmm. and how they can be strained because of those matters. Mm -hmm. It it totally relates to the the wellness conversation and the compassion conversation. Mm -hmm. And I just think I really wanted to emphasize that because I was glad you said that. Yeah, definitely. And wellness, I mean, wellness is such, embodies so many components and so many elements in our life but relationship wellness. Yeah. Okay, you're financially well yep. and you're professionally well and you're physically well, but what about your relationships? Yeah. Because those are important too. Yeah. Nobody, very few people genuinely want to be alone. Yeah. Whether you don't want a romantic partner or whatever it may be, you still want someone. Exactly. You can talk to. And pe- most people who say they don't, you know, just out of fear of being let down or mm-hmm. so forth. But most people at the heart, we're pack animals. Yeah. And at their core, we want those relationships. So you have to retain and maintain those relationships mm-hmm. just as much as you have to honor your agreements with a creditor. Yes. Because 
I think it's more important. Mm-hmm. Like when I think about my mom who co-signed for my student loan that I ended up paying off, um, that was like the first debt. I was like, here, take all the money, <laughs> just do it. It was my student loan. And when I think about it, it's like my mom, I'm going to need her. I'm yeah. not about to rub her the wrong way. Yeah. I don't care how frustrated I am with her. Let me do this and let me act on good faith mm-hmm. because she was there for me when I needed her. Yep. And it, it's important. Yeah, taking care of our community mm-hmm. as well. A tribe. Yes, exactly. It's so important. It's so important. So I would also love to talk to you about budgeting, which is probably not a lot of people's favorite topic for <laughs> for a lot of different reasons. So my financial institution, BECU, offers a tool called Money Manager that mm-hmm. I really like. It's really helped me a lot. So it's an online budgeting app. I can access it within my online banking dashboard or on my phone. It's connected to all of my purchases. It's perfect. So it's been a really big game changer for me because like I said earlier, when it came to visibility around finances, when I could just see what was happening and where everything was going, just having that understanding empowered me to make a lot better decisions. So I'm curious, what are some of your favorite budgeting tools that that help you feel empowered to make good choices? I'm a paper and pencil girl. Love it. I am a paper and pencil girl. (laughs) I still sit down and write everything out. Yeah. I still like, I budget every check that I get in. I sit down and like write out, this is what this needs to be allocated towards. This one needs needs to be allocated towards like every check that comes in. Mm -hmm. I allocate it and like create a job for every dollar Mm -hmm. that I have coming in. And then I put some money aside for me to do things for myself yeah so I am a paper and pencil person yeah. I just I love writing it out and subtracting and like crossing it out so that's my preferred method I'm glad that your institution offers something like that because yeah. a lot of financial institutions don't offer anything as detailed as yeah. that mm-hmm. I would recommend people just give different things a try yeah Find out if your finance institution has one. If you don't, you know, sounds like your institution is awesome. Mm-hmm. You said BECU. Yeah. Sounds yeah. like it's awesome. So check them out. But if not, paper and pencil will not fail you. Yes. Um, if anything, if you feel like I just want to get started and mm-hmm. just pull out a notebook, pull out a piece of paper now, and just get started and write with paper and pencil. Mm-hmm. I actually love doing that too. I love like writing down all of my expenses and kind of doing the math by hand and then putting yeah. it into an app later to kind of combine both. Yeah. But I, there is something about writing things out that makes it it feel more real yeah and it, for me it commits to memory <laughs> yeah more so it commits things to my memory mm-hmm. like okay you have to do this you have to do that you didn't do this yep. it just it commits it to my memory more yep. I'm that person. I write out, even when, when we're having team retreats and so forth or meetings with my team, my assistant will be typing notes up and I'm sitting here writing them out. I'm just a writer. <laughs> yeah. And I think that's part of me being from that generation as well. <laughs> Growing up, I actually struggled with math in, in school and penmanship was where I flourished. Yeah. I was getting like A's in penmanship. So I still I love I'm it. really big on writing. Yes, I love it. And I think it's also just all about what works for you, mm-hmm. what's going to be convenient and what you're actually going to stick to. Yeah, I I definitely agree. It's really figuring out what works for you. Yeah. And if someone needs a little more help, um, we uh, MyFab Finance. If you go to myfabfinance.com, we have the financial success bundle, which comes with a ready-made budget. So you can find that on our homepage, myfabfinance.com, and download the printables to get you started. It's a paper and pencil thing, so you need to print it out, but it already has the fields pre-entered that you need to take into consideration when it comes to your budget. So it makes it a little easier so you're not guessing. That's perfect. We'll link that in the show notes too. So it's super easy for folks to find. Awesome. Yes. You know, I think when a lot of people hear the word budget, they immediately think about deprivation, Mm. like all the things that they have to go without as a part of their lifestyle. 
what is your advice for building financial wellness without necessarily having to sacrifice the things you enjoy? We don't do deprivation as a financial freedom <laughs> strategy at MyFab Finance. Yes. That's why it's my fab finance. Exactly. It really is about prioritizing mm-hmm. and everything can't be a priority. Mm-hmm. You have to determine what's important to you and then find ways to do that in a way that's cost effective. So for example, self-care, one of the things I committed to is every month I'm going to get a massage or a facial or some type of treatment that allows me to just relax. Mm-hmm. And so last night I was thinking, I was like, telling you, you haven't gotten your, your massage or your facial. And while I can afford to just go to some top of the line massage and, or a spa and plop down whatever they ask, I got on Groupon and I realized that they had saved 30% on all spa services bought a Groupon for a spa service and got 30% off of it. So I'm getting a facial for like $35 somewhere. So thinking about what's important to you and then finding cost-effective ways to do that. If travel is important to you, it's cool. There are ways that you can travel on a budget. Mm -hmm. On the blog, I wrote about how I went to Cartagena, Colombia for a week for $400. And that included my flight, my stay, my food, everything when I was living in New York at that time. So there are ways to do things. You just have to figure out what your priorities are Mm -hmm. and how you're going to do the most cost-effective. I love that. Well, we'll definitely link to that blog post too. Cause I want to see. Thank you. I, mean, I want to see how you did and, it. And there's certain things that can be a priority while you're in your financial journey, not yeah. necessarily like luxury handbags. Yeah. Like, it doesn't make sense to spend like two, three thousand dollars on a handbag yep. while you're on your financial journey. But yep. as soon as you get off of it and you got money saved and you feel good, then do it. But up until that point, maybe you're going to go and get you a little cute bag that doesn't that looks designer, but mm-hmm. isn't designer. That's nice. Yep. And, that you know, you feel comfortable carrying it on your shoulder, but mm-hmm. it's not exactly doesn't have that price tag yet. Yep. So there's different ways to do things and get it accomplished. Yeah. And I think it completely relates to what you were saying at the beginning about like how your choices make you feel, where if it feels really good while you're actually making the purchase and then after that, it doesn't like that's probably a good place to reevaluate after. Like, how do you feel after the fact? Yep. And I mean, that's why I encourage some people keep the tag on. Yep. Keep the tag on to see how you feel when you get home and you sit with that. And like, you know what? I should take that back. Mm -hmm. You know, keep the tag on for a little bit. Give yourself like people have the, you know, wait 24 hours before you buy it. Wait a week before you take the tag off Mm -hmm. and then look at that item again and see if you want to take it back. So keep the receipt because you might not feel good about that purchase. And it's okay. In that moment, you had a moment of weakness. (laughs) It got the best of you in that moment, but you can always take it back if you leave those tags on. Yeah. Exactly. And just giving yourself, again, giving yourself that grace, but also giving yourself more lead time where you can do the things you enjoy, but maybe not like right now. Maybe yes. you need a, a week or two to plan it out exactly. and, and feel better about it. say not now doesn't mean not ever. Exactly. That's the big thing we yes. use at Oh, I love that. We'll have to, we'll have to use that one as a tweetable. Yeah. Not now doesn't mean not ever. Yeah. Um, that's the story of my life. Yes, exactly. <laughs> Ugh, I hear you. Let's talk about building wealth because, you know, here on Balanced Black Girl, we talk a lot about topics that pertain specifically to black women, wellness for black women. We know that there are a lot of disparities in our country between how much money we make, our ability to accumulate wealth. I read recently that there was a 2015 Asset Founders report that said the median wealth for black women was just $200. So I would really love to dive into this and break down this topic, which is one, how do we define wealth? Mm -hmm. What is wealth for us so that we can be really clear on it, on understanding what it is Mm -hmm. before we talk about how to build it? And two, what 
can we do to close the gap and build more wealth for ourselves? Yeah, I mean, I think for the purpose of this, wealth is essentially your assets. Yeah. It's your assets that you have available to you. Mm -hmm. So there's a lot of people who don't have enough money in savings. And we can look at net worth. Net worth is, you know, your assets minus liabilities. But given today's age where a lot of people have student loans, student loans just gobble up most people's assets. But let's take student loans off the table. It's like, still, what assets do you own? Mm -hmm. What for some people who own a home, your home might not be an asset, yeah. depending on how much money you put down, how much the home is valued at, your payments have been, and so forth. Like how long you've been in that home, yeah. you might just be breaking even, or you might be underwater in that mortgage. Yeah. So we can't automatically assume just because you have physical things that you have assets. And I think that that's been an issue also in the black community mm-hmm. going forward. Me and my mom get in arguments all the time about this, about home ownership, because home ownership is not necessarily, it can be a component of your wealth building strategy, but it really isn't enough to say that you hold your wealth in your home, Um, especially if your home is not an income generating property. And so, and by income generating property, I mean you have tenants or you have someone else paying towards that mortgage on it so that you can free your money up to do other things Mm -hmm. and make other investments. But what assets do you have? So do you have a 401k? Mm -hmm. Do you have money set aside in investments? Do you have a collection of something that's valuable that you could sell if hard times, you know, if you fell on hard times, your car is a depreciating asset because it's depreciating in value. So that's not it. So what other things outside of other tangible items do you have that you can leverage to create more wealth. Mm -hmm. A business can be an asset. All businesses aren't assets, but a business can be an asset, especially if it's sellable. Mm -hmm. If you could sell it, you know, things came down to the wire and you need to sell your business and can you make money off of it? Yeah. The tools for wealth is creating as many assets as possible. Yeah. Oh, that's super helpful though, to have kind of that crash course in what is and what isn't an asset. Because I know I've had definitely similar conversations with people from older generations of like, well, just buy XYZ. Maybe yeah. if that's the right choice. My but mom that's... literally hung up on me a few weeks ago <laughs> over that conversation, especially in California. Yeah. It doesn't make sense for me to buy here. It's too expensive. Yep. The housing stock, I think the bubble's going to burst. Yeah. But that's why minority communities were hit so hard by yeah. the foreclosure crisis, mm-hmm. because we almost entirely held our wealth in our homes. And when we saw our home values dwindle right before our eyes, that was all we had as far as like our equity was our wealth, but that's not tangible and it's adjustable and it's, it's flexible and relative to the market. And so if that's taken away, then what do you have? Your home is nothing but a structure that you pay a monthly payment towards if it's not a smart purchase. Yeah. And a lot of people weren't in smart purchases. They were just in purchases because they felt like being a homeowner is what they should do or was, you know, the step towards being wealthy. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Which definitely can be situational. Yeah. And yeah. it can be. Yeah. It can be. You know, I look at the homes here in L.A. and there is absolutely no way I'm buying a home with a mortgage of $5,000. I'm not paying three to $5,000 for a mortgage by myself, like yeah. me and my husband. And mm-hmm. we have to figure out every single month yep. how we're going to pay that for 30 years. Yeah. There's absolutely no way. Mm-hmm. That was an income generating property. So then you have a tenant. So you at least have $2,000 coming in every month and you're only responsible for 1000 yeah. That makes sense. Mm-hmm. And you're using that other $2,000 that you would use towards a mortgage to do something else. Like yep. Eliminate your debt, pay off your cars, purchase another property or mm-hmm. something like that. So that's when it makes sense. But figuring out like not necessarily struggling because some people aren't struggling, but doing that. Say you do purchase a home and I'm not anti-home ownership. Yeah. I'm yeah. just like, I just like yeah. to paint a full picture. Totally. But say you purchase a home for say $600,000 mm-hmm. and 
in the short term, the home goes up in value to $635,000. So yeah. yay, you have $35,000 in equity. But then another market crash occurs and then the value of your home is $500,000. Mm-hmm. Now you still owe, you're in the hole $100,000. Yeah. And you have to pay $100,000 just to break even on that house. Yeah. That is not an asset anymore. Yeah. And so we just have to understand like that's, it makes you vulnerable. Mm-hmm. You just have to be ready for that. That's yeah. why they encourage you to put a 20% down instead of 3.5% financing yeah. because 3.5% financing will get you in the door. Yeah. But if something were to happen and you were to see a decrease in your home value, mm-hmm. I love Noah Kagan, creator of AppSumo, and he shared an article a few years ago about how he sold his condo. Yeah. And even though it appreciated, and I think like $180,000 in value, once he wrote out everything, like once he did the numbers and what he walked away with, he was like, it didn't make financial sense. I could have invested my money elsewhere and saw a greater gain because once I paid closing costs, once I paid real estate commissions and so forth, once I, you know, he had, there were other things associated to make some repairs and so forth. It's like, once I did everything, like... I literally walked away with like fifteen, maybe thirty thousand yeah. dollars, and my money could have appreciated elsewhere for the amount of the investment that he put into the house. Mm-hmm. It's like income tax. Understand? Yeah, it's like income tax. You know, mm-hmm. people who some people like to get their money sooner, some people like to get their money later, and some people like to make their money work sooner, some people like to make their money work later. It just mm-hmm. depends on the type of person you are. Yeah, exactly. And I think understanding different things is a good first step mm-hmm. to like be empowered to make that choice. Yeah, just do your research. Yeah. Make sure it applies to you yeah. and stand firm in your belief. Yeah. Like I said, my mom hung up on me, <laughs> but I'm firm in my belief. I'm not buying a yep. house here. I mean, it's you're on, you would be on the hook for it and it's your well-being. Thank you. That's, yeah. You know, and you know, it doesn't, it, I can't say that it doesn't bother me sometimes, you mm-hmm. know, like I'm a financial educator who doesn't own her home. You know what I mean? So sometimes it does bother me, but in the same sense, I just have to be reminded, but that's not your plan. Yep. That's not your plan. And you're using your money to do other things. You're exactly. using money, your money to eliminate all your debts so that yeah. when you're ready to purchase a home, you're building your business, you're investing in your son's 529, you're investing in your investment account. So yeah. like, you're still doing something. And that's what I want to say to anyone who's feeling the pressure. If you live in a city such as New York, Seattle, San Francisco, Los Angeles, Austin, Miami, Florida, where it's just really expensive, Washington, D.C., all these cities that most millennials want to live because it's fun. If you live there and you feel like you're stagnant when it comes to your financial goals, just think about everything else that you're doing right when it comes to your money. And that's setting you up for you to be in the right position to take advantage of the right opportunity that comes by. Such good advice. I know I needed to hear that as well and really appreciate that. (laughs) You're welcome. Yeah. Well, actually, you just mentioned something that I wanted to ask you about. Setting up a 529 for your son, mm-hmm. what does that mean? What is a 529 for those yeah. of us who don't know? So a 529 is a college savings account. Yeah. Provided that he uses it for college, then he gets the tax benefits from mm-hmm. it. But if he doesn't use it for college, he still gets the money. He just mm-hmm. has to pay taxes on it. Okay. And so it allows you to put money aside to start saving for them. Yeah. So as soon as he got his social security number, mm-hmm. I opened it up mm-hmm. and started putting money aside. We have 12 months in a year. Yeah putting $500 a month into his account yeah. and just being intentional about mm-hmm. that, which everyone doesn't have. And it's yeah. hard to do that when you're doing it yourself. Totally, yeah. But I mean, one way that we do it is I talk to my parents about it. My dad has automatic transfers into his account. Yep. I have automatic transfers into his 529. Yeah. Whenever we, his birth, his first birthday is coming up in lieu of gifts. We're asking people to just send money to his 529. Yeah. Even if it's $20, if yeah. it's $30, just send some money over there because okay. it adds up. Yeah, that's what a 529 plan is. It allows you to put money aside for your child's education or their future goals. I love it. My hope is that maybe he'll use that money to, you know, buy a business yeah. or open a franchise yeah. or something like that. Which is amazing, but you're you're setting him up to have such a solid foundation already. Thank you. We, yeah. you know, we I think we try to do better than my parents did really wonderful with yep. me based yeah. on what they had. Yep. And 
my goal is to do better. Yep. Exactly. Take it to the next level. Yep. With each generation. Mm -hmm. It's like our parents do the best they can with what we have. And and now that we know better Mm -hmm. in some areas, we do better and future generations continue that. And my parents did better than their parents did. So it's just like, you just keep pushing it forward. And by the time, you know, my son has children, hopefully like the world is their oyster, you know, Mm -hmm. like hopefully they're looking at, you know, maybe building a mall or something (laughs) like that. Like, you know, I don't know, but hopefully they're looking at things that weren't available to me, but are available to them because of decisions I made. I love that. Yes. Setting up our next generation, which is wonderful. I'd love to talk to you a little bit more about self-care because you mentioned that you like to have your kind of monthly self-care practices, which I'm sure is so important Mm -hmm. as a new mom, as a busy entrepreneur, wife. Yeah. What all all of those things and more. What else do you like to do to practice self-care? Well, I just got a therapist, um, so I'm really happy about that. Um, So therapy will become part of my self-care. Yeah. Creating boundaries. Yeah. Um, Making sure that I'm not overworking. When I first started my business, I felt like if I wasn't working, I wasn't making money. Mm -hmm. And realizing that wasn't the type of business I wanted to create. I wanted to create a business where I was paid for my talents and my skill set and not by the hours I clocked. Yes. And since I've done that, now... One of my goals was to generate a quarter million dollars while having my weekends and at least one day off a week. Love it. And hit that this year. Yay, congratulations. Um, And so it is just creating that balance between being present in my life and doing things that honor me, um, but doing things that build my business. For me, self-care, even in work, self-care looks like participating in projects that make me feel good and working Mm -hmm. with clients that make me feel good Mm -hmm. or clients that I feel good about. Yeah. And that's not always possible. Mm -hmm. Sometimes... You know, yeah. yeah. So <laughs> things are outside of your control. Yeah, sometimes personalities, <laughs> and mommy still has to pay bills. Yeah, but that, and then, like I said, really establishing what my boundaries are and what my duties are to myself, and abiding yeah. by that. So now I have structured days. Tuesdays yes. are my podcast and interview dates. Yeah, Wednesdays are my self care days. So yeah. like that's when I get my lashes done, and mm-hmm. that's when I that's when I see my therapist, yeah. and that's when if I have, I'm going to get a hair appointment, that's yep. my hair appointment day. Yeah. And so forth. That's just a day where I'm just indulging in self-care unapologetically and not feeling like I'm not doing something I'm supposed Mm -hmm. to be doing. Mm -hmm. And I think that's really big in general is about self-care is creating space and containers for self-care in your life so that you don't feel like so you don't feel guilty in the act of self-care that you should be doing something else. Mm -hmm. That even comes down to having child care that is reliable and that I enjoy like that I know my son I know they get along really well so that I don't feel guilty like oh my god I left my baby at home with someone like no he's with Ryan he loves her yeah they're hanging out mommy's gonna go clock out and go sit in the steam room for a little bit yeah and being okay with that because yeah self-care guilty self-care doesn't fill your cup the way just like selfless indulgent self-care does Ooh, I love that actually guilty self-care I feel like that could be a podcast episode talk about it (laughs) but that's so good just that unapologetic care of you because it is essential I think so many people see self-care and everybody does different things for Mm self-care which is why I love asking the question I think so many of us see it as indulgent or as optional or as something we do if we have extra time necessary it's essential it's necessary yeah and I know it's a privilege Mm -hmm. to an extent it is a privilege but there are things that you can do that even if you don't have the means to go buy a facial or whatever get you a mask from CVS 
get a clay mask or whatever. You know, they yeah. have a little mask pack. Ask someone, you know, maybe it's your spouse or significant other or family member. Hey, watch the kids. I'm just going to put this mask on and lay on my bed and zone out and yep. listen to some music. Yep. You know, like sometimes it's as small as that. Sometimes mm-hmm. it's after the kids go to bed, you know, sipping a glass of wine and watching HGTV yeah. and just allowing yourself to get zone or 90 Day Fiance. I love yeah. 90 Day Fiance. <laughs> like zoning out with a glass of wine. It's allowing yourself to laugh. Exactly. And get involved in someone else's life because yes. it's so easy to get involved in yours. It doesn't have to be indulgent. It doesn't have to be expensive. Yes. It does have to be intentional. Yes. And I just encourage people to find different ways to implement it in your life. Yeah. Like you said, it's not optional. And no. I look at people who don't have it in their lives and the quality of their lives are just like, oh, man, uh, you need you need a moment. Yeah. And it, I feel it. Yeah. Like, I feel you walked in and I'm like, you need a moment. Yeah. That energy, it speaks mm-hmm. so good. Thank you for that. So my last question is always my favorite question to ask my guests kind of along the same lines of balance and self-care. And that is what does being a balanced black girl mean to you? Being a balanced black girl to me means honoring my boundaries mm-hmm. that I set up for myself. It means allowing all areas of myself to show up at different times yeah yeah so honoring my boundaries and allowing myself to show up in all forms that I am so some days I'm you know a little more corporate some days I have my mommy hat on some days I'm like I'm you know wifey some days I am ratchet let's go like (laughs) like let's go and sometimes I'm that all of that in one day yep and it's okay Mm -hmm. so it is that and then honoring my boundaries because for me, that helps me create fluidity and clarity in yeah. my life. And I think that for me, when I think about balance, it's clarity. Yeah. Balance is that. really equivalent to clarity for me. That is so good. Tanya, thank you so much for joining us today. Thank you. You gave so much incredible advice. And I, I enjoyed this. These are great questions. Oh, good. This is great. Good. Well, you had great answers. So thank you. I appreciate you being here. Thank you. And I'm so proud of you. I oh. told you that when I saw you. Oh. So proud of you. It's, <laughs> thank you. It's amazing. And I think that more people need to see um, black women achieving their financial goals Mm -hmm. because a lot of times we see those headlines and it's like "Eh." yeah they don't look like me yeah and just talking about it from regular people Mm -hmm. yeah Yeah, for regular people too Uh, as an entrepreneur that's why I'm kind of I don't necessarily share my debt elimination journey because I'm an entrepreneur maybe I'll share with other entrepreneurs (laughs) but like my income earning potential is different because I can walk into I can walk into a room and ask for $50,000 to do an hour's worth of work and everybody doesn't have that like some people that's what they make in a year So I think it is important to see all areas of the journey and how people are making it work and doing it. Exactly. And and I think that's why sharing our stories are so important because we all kind of have a different story, but I think so many people can listen and relate to different aspects of each of our stories. Exactly. Exactly. So thank you for having me and thank you for all you do. Yes. Thank you. And how can our audience keep in touch with you? Where can they find you? So people can find me at MyFabFinance. I'm uniformly branded on all social media platforms as MyFabFinance. If you go to MyFabFinance on Instagram, you'll find my personal Instagram in the bio. And then if you are on your financial journey and you feel you need some more support, our mission at MyFabFinance is to help people break the cycle of living paycheck to paycheck. And we created the Blue Ribbon Club, which is our structured accountability program to help you achieve that. And so if you're interested, you can go to MyFabFinance.com backslash B-R-C. B is in boy, R is in red, C is in cash. Love it so much. We will have all of Tanya's links and the Blue Ribbon Club tagged in the show notes so that it's easy for y'all to find. Thank Thank you. you for being here. 
Thank you so much for tuning into this episode. I hope it was helpful for you as you embark on your financial wellness journey. Please let me know what you think by leaving us a comment on Instagram at Balanced Black Girl Podcast or posting in our Facebook group, which is the Balanced Black Girl Podcast community. And a huge thank you to our partners at BECU for helping me facilitate this conversation. We'll see you next time.